Well, here comes the big steamroller of the holiday season. Do you greet it with joy or maybe with anxiety? I think a lot of people feel it as a mixture of both. We get to see family. We get to see our family. There's so much food. There's so many calories and so on. I find myself wondering, is gratitude tempered with anxiety still gratitude? My wife and I actually don't do Thanksgiving, or she's from Canada, so we do Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October. So for us and for countless Canadians, by the time November rolls around every year, Thanksgiving is kind of old news. Why do Canadians celebrate the holiday on the wrong date? Well, as you may suspect... I mean, many of us are aware that the first Thanksgiving story that we're told in school is painfully inaccurate. And actually, the first Canadian Thanksgiving took place in October 1578. This was 43 years before the Pilgrims ever landed in Plymouth. Obviously, the Pilgrims did not invent the concept of gratitude, nor did they invent the tradition of holding a feast of celebration to express gratitude for a bountiful harvest. Almost every human civilization has celebrated its own Thanksgiving tradition, from the ancient Egyptians, ancient Chinese, Koreans, Greeks, the list goes on. The influence of the Roman Empire spread the custom of a fall festival throughout Europe and up into the British Isles, so that by the time white folks were exploring the Americas, Thanksgiving was a custom that they brought along with them. Kind of. Um, Of course, the Native Americans, the First Nations, already had their own traditions of harvest festivals and gratitude. I've recently been reading Charles C. Mann's wonderful book, 1491, Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus. And the major takeaway that Mr. Mann wants to get across is the ongoing revelation that the extant culture in the Americas before the white man invaded was much more highly evolved and busy, highly populated and impressive than any of us have really been led to believe. At the time when the first white men were stepping foot on the East Coast, there were Incan and Aztec cities that were more densely populated than any city in Europe. It's thrilling to learn about the constant discoveries and verifications that are happening now, mostly in Central and South America. Thanksgiving is a fraught holiday in part because of the high societal expectations and in part because of the enormous historical baggage that it brings. Thanksgiving puts us in mind of not only gratitude, but of our history as a people in a way that is so universal, really regardless of religion, race, creed, background, we are all touched in some way by what European explorers began in this land centuries ago. In his book, Charles Mann wants us to know that the level of cultural advancement and the settlement range of humans in this land was higher and broader than previously imagined, that the New World was not a wilderness at the time of European contact, but an environment 
in which the indigenous peoples had already known how to alter the lands for years for their benefit. Speaking of irrigation systems, things like that. Awareness of this history invites us to place ourselves in it. My ancestors did terrible things. Perhaps some of yours did too. There's so much here to wrestle with, so much history and so much pain. And how does that speak to us now, here and now in this life? Is gratitude still gratitude when it's tinged with anxiety? What does shame do to gratitude? Well, it makes us defensive. Suddenly, this is not a day of gratitude, but a day of stress, a day of perfectionism. It's no longer a time of authenticity and connection and love, but a time of forced smiles and sometimes heavy drinking. American Thanksgiving feels like the final frontier between us and the dreaded madness of the holidays, Christmas especially. Whether or not your family celebrates Christmas voluntarily, We are all dragged into a commercialized hellscape featuring all of the things that we loved about the season as kids. The fun music, the twinkling lights, the candy. Except now, it feels like the volume on everything is turned way up to grotesque levels. Incessant music, inescapable lights, so much candy. And did you get a tree yet? Oh, and why are the trees like $80 now? And is it really kind to be putting poor, innocent trees into my house to basically starve to death? In a few weeks, Reverend Carl is going to address the hidden life of trees, so I won't spoil the surprise, but the answer is no. The tree does not enjoy being in your house. (laughs) Gratitude. I just sometimes feel like this is the hardest time of year to feel gratitude. The original Thanksgivings were born out of genuine gratitude. Gratitude for the harvest, for the generosity of Gaia. Gratitude for the overwhelming relief evident in having a reason to hope that you would survive the winter. A gratitude born out of a connection to Mother Earth that very few of us still feel today. When did Thanksgiving stop being about farming and about the earth? For many of us, Thanksgiving is still about the earth, but how many of us are actually aware of whether the harvest was good this year and are feeling gratitude about it? Certainly, we are very lucky in our modern times to not have to fear starving. But I imagine that as recently as our grandparents' generations, Thanksgiving was still intimately tied to the health of the environment. And now, we're all aware of how very much our precious earth has suffered and continues to suffer just within the past few decades. And that feels shameful. So how do we turn to gratitude in the midst of our shame? No matter how advanced our modern society is, no matter how many apps are on your phone, no matter what you say to Alexa or Surrey, the days are going to get shorter and colder. Nature still has this power. It is easier to feel gratitude in the springtime when the light begins to pour in and the colorful blooms are back. How do we practice gratitude this Thanksgiving when it feels like there's so much to mourn?
Parker Palmer asks, What artist would paint a deathbed scene with a vibrant and vital palette that nature uses? He asks this question specifically referring to the beautiful colors of autumn. I'm just going to repeat. What artist would paint a deathbed scene with the vibrant and vital palette nature uses? He goes on. He wonders if perhaps death possesses a grace that we who fear dying, who find it ugly and even obscene, cannot see. How shall we understand nature's testimony that dying itself, as devastating as we know it can be, contains the hope of a certain beauty? Much is made these days of gratitude. It can be something of a buzzword even. If you're like me, you're confronted daily with reminders from well-meaning Facebook posts about articles, about studies done on gratitude and how you really should be keeping a gratitude journal, and I sometimes feel guilty for not having a more serious practice of gratitude, and then I remember that gratitude is supposed to feel good. Faithfully keeping a practice of gratitude can be done in writing if that's what works and feels good for you. Otherwise, your practice can be something really simple, like noticing something good that happened each day, setting an intention to be grateful each morning, Taking a moment to just feel the love that comes naturally when you call someone to mind who is precious to you. These joyful practices will immediately benefit you. Scientific studies have shown this, that grateful people experience fewer aches and pains. This has been proven. They report feeling healthier than other people. Gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions, ranging from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. It's been proven that gratitude increases mental strength and fosters resilience. Many of the great thinkers of today, folks that we look to for guidance, like I mentioned Parker Palmer and all the folks that you would hear Krista Tippett interview, Prescribe turning back to nature in order to foster gratitude. There's something medicinal, something deep and ancestral about our relationship to the outdoors and the natural world. The recognition of this holy and mystical relationship to nature is reflected in the very architecture of this room. Just this room is set up in such a way that it doesn't matter where you're sitting, you can see the beautiful outdoors Even though it's a gray day, you can still see how beautiful it is out there. In a recent blog post, Parker Palmer has said that he is grateful for three things. He said, for the ground on which I stand, whether it is the kind that grows greenery or the kind in which my soul can take root. For the people who have supported me, from those who know me well and love me nonetheless, to strangers who offered help in a moment of need. For the natural world, which really does make things pretty, a beauty to which I often turn for solace, healing, inspiration, and peace. He goes on to say that the only way to keep a gift alive is to pass it along so that on Thanksgiving Day this year, in a world where so many have been deprived of so much, 
I will give thanks by finding more ways to share the abundance I've been given. Whatever it is that you are grateful for in your life, family, friends, good company, good health, good weather, our mysterious interconnectedness, the astonishing beauty of nature, and the universal energy that is life, grateful for this community and all of the good that our congregation does in the world, grateful for you, you as a movement that will continue doing good in the world long after all of us are gone. We are called to be grateful. We are invited to participate in a wild, senseless gratitude. You see, science has found that our very bodies and minds want us to be filled with gratitude. And they attempt to offer an incentive by rewarding us with endorphins, dopamine, and physical health when we practice holy gratitude. Gratitude is connection. Gratitude is a form of righteous and sublime love. Gratitude is healing. Cicero said that gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, it is the parent of all others. Gandhi said, May the work of your hands be a sign of gratitude and reverence to the human condition. The Dalai Lama suggests that practicing gratitude is the way to world peace. So, I'll start now. Thank you. I'm grateful to you. I, I'm grateful to have the chance to worship here with you today. And in a few minutes, we'll stand up and sing, How Could Anyone? And I want that song to be a love song to yourself. That song is about you, about how your loving is a miracle, about how you are connected to my soul. We are connected to each other's souls in a very real, palpable, ecstatic, and holy way. So how can we keep from being grateful? I'd like to leave you with these words by UU Minister Gwen Matthews. Today, we're thankful for you and what you bring to our church. Your spirit, talents, generosity, imagination, and dedication reaffirm our relationship and create our beloved community. Our heartfelt thanks to you on this day and for all days to come. For those who embrace Thanksgiving as a day to honor the gifts of family, friendship, abundance, security, we celebrate with you and join our voices to hold aloft all sacred blessings. And for those who hold Thanksgiving as a day of sadness, who mourn for the hurt and loss of Native peoples, who are lonely, who grieve the loss of those dear and beloved, we hold your heartache and sorrow so you do not have to carry the burden alone. Blessings be upon you.